All right, welcome to a brand new episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast on Blog Talk Radio. I always forget to say that, but I should. We are, our sponsor is, well, one of our sponsors is No Halftime App. Be sure to visit them with, uh, with, let's see, well, I forgot what they are. They're the fantasy game between two players, so be sure to check them out. We'll get to the other sponsor, but before I do, I would like to make sure everyone knows this is a very special, special episode. I say that about all episodes. That's why this episode I use two specials. Uh, we have Rudy Gamble as our special guest. Rudy, you've you've been a part of Razzball since the beginning, and how much longer do you think this dream will go for us? I think that'd be. Uh, well, I think I think saying the special episode now makes people wonder. It's like, what made you cause Razzball? It's like it's because the guy at the bike shop diddled me when I was six. That's, he that's promised kind of the dark direction, though. <laughs> he promised. I, I thought I was getting a banana split, but I was not. Well, that just ruins banana splits for everyone now. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Like you just affected a lot of people. I don't eat banana splits. I learned I will, my lesson. I, I've. I was checking with Nate Silver. He said banana splits have been trending down for thirty years. So. Yeah, it's like that was a lot of world building too. I appreciate that. That's why this episode is special. But it's not only special because of that. It is special because you're here because you did. Take care of the segue for me. Really, as as we've been doing on the show, we have been talking about the election. Not necessarily by choice. It's just it's so, you know, it's not every day we have an election. It kind of takes up a lot of the sphere of what everyday news is, the, the cycle, the everyday cycle. And it it's just there's so much animus and it it's just a huge chunk of our lives, And I think. And I think this election especially, you know, I was saying we don't have it every day. We... I think this election is specifically proving to us that maybe we shouldn't have it uh, even every four years. Maybe just just never have an election again, to be honest. I mean, not in the style that Trump wants it, but, you know, I'm kind of like, wow, this whole this whole exercise in democracy is really hard this year. I I did want to say, you know, we we try to look at it, you know, not through the lens of Trump versus Clinton, because, you know, you can find plenty of that stuff on the Web. And since you know, this isn't our usual focus. I try to come at it from a different angle so as to not enter into an echo chamber since it's hard to find Trump supporters on our wavelength. And I did want to talk a bit about that with you, Rudy. But, you know, going back to the point, I, you know, last last episode, we kind of talked about the millennial vote and how stupid millennials are. And it was pretty fun because I love blaming millennials for everything because I'm like right on the line of being a millennial. I'm an 82 kid, so I'm not even sure. I don't think I'm a millennial. I think I'm Generation X. I'm right in the buffer zone. I don't know how close you are. Like, how would what would you label yourself generation-wise? No, I think I'm I'm squarely, I think, Generation X. Okay, yeah. So I think you and I are in the same generation. Like, you and I, we're listening to Social Distortion or Smashing Pumpkins, whereas I think millennials uh, listen to Ariana Grande or Katy Perry. You know, that I think you can always denote generational differences in music. But, um... You know, this brings me to the point of this week with you. I have my very own person who understands math like I don't, I guess is the best. I could have made that. I could have shortened that. But um, that's kind of your descriptor. I, I enjoy math to an extent. You know, I think everyone who enjoys fantasy baseball, fantasy football, you know, these sports, uh, it'd be hard to deny that you don't like the idea of, you know, stats. Basically, we like numbers. We like the idea of it. Um and there are some people who just can't get past that level, which is me. I, I was never good at math, I, I, but I love projections. So yeah. Hey, it, I'm the same way with, with baked goods. I, yeah. I, have no, I have no desire to bake. You know, it seems like there's no margin for error. You put, you put too much of one thing, and then it comes out completely a complete failure. So, but I like cookies and, you know, like, like a nice, like, hearthy bread. Or I don't know if no, I guess that wouldn't be. What do you, is that like a pumpernickel? <laughs> what is a hearthy yeah? Bread? Well, no, I guess a hearthy bread would have to be one like you know that also Actual doubles hearts. as a fireplace. Um, okay. But um, yeah, no, like I I enjoy baked goods, but I have no desire to like bake at home. Like someone give give me like a bread maker, it'd be like okay, I guess I'll, I'll see what I get fifty cents on the dollar on you know at uh, by trading it in. It'd be the same with making beer as well. I love beer. I have no desire to try to make my own beer. Right. Sometimes the process is hard, harder than, you know, just getting the results. And I enjoy the results. I really do. And, yeah. you know, even though this was my long 
um, intro to the segue you provided. I, I did want to bring this up because I do follow uh, Nate Silver a lot. I've, I followed him for now three presidential cycles. Uh, you know, I read a, a bit of him. I think um, he was a big uh, sports guy. He still is, actually. But I read a lot of his work early on in his career when he was covering that stuff. But he obviously, he does, he has his website, 538. It's become kind of popular. Um, I think it, he hit his heyday uh, during the Romney-Obama election cycle just because, you know, he was connected to the New York Times that year. And people really started. I felt like there was a big math awakening with baseball. You know, I don't know if they're related, but, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, that... yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, he, yeah, he, I mean, Nate Silver got his, his, you know, I think moved into like the public focus with his work at Baseball Prospectus with his Pakoda projections. Um, But yeah, I think it, you know, that his blog, which got bought by New York Times and then eventually um, went over to ESPN. Um, Yeah, and he he has, he had a book out, um, The Signal and the Noise, which also, I think, kind of, expanded his uh his net um but yeah no i think i think i think yeah the math and like um you know this art of trying to take all the polls and uh take out the bias that's inherent by looking at the looking at past years and you know trying to find like maybe some systemic bias in each of the polls has been interesting and you know it's done quite well, I think, you know, even on the, on like the Senate races. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's, it's made the coverage, you know, I, I do like that type of coverage kind of added to the, the general, you know, <laughs> like chicken with the, with his head cut off coverage right. that we get like, Oh my God, the world, you well, know, like is, this. For- yeah. And this is why I like having you on because I get to ask you like, because you know, you, you can you can of course say like well Nate Silver's here and I'm here and you know I myself is Jason I'm I'm all the way down here but in, in terms of understanding this stuff or processing it but I, I was curious what you thought what kind of is there any errors to this type of methodology when you're trying to get the full aggregate of everything that's out there and you create a system and specifically I ask you this question because you've had to create your own systems and you know we'll, we'll talk about your tools in a bit but you've had to create systems like how what are the errors in creating this type of uh, I guess, process of collecting data and then uh, using that data to, I don't know, maybe create a narrative or describe a narrative? I think the the biggest issue uh, with with any of the approaches, because there's, there's a number of them now that try to aggregate um, and normalize the polls, uh, is what, you know, what they're looking at is historically how each poll is done and you know what biases have but the problem is you know like that assumes that whatever they're doing wrong you know and when i say wrong like whatever might lead to a bias um you know something as simple as well we call people's home lines well that's not going to be a that's going to be a somewhat skewed sample because a lot of people don't have home lines um you know uh or you know, whatever. There's there's tons of biases that go in surveys, but the th- the way to think of these biases are is that they're not necessarily stagnant. You know, over you know each time you field, there might be a specific bias that you're adding. So, you know, the historical information that you're using, you know, might help, and maybe the average of it um, is generally the best projection. But you know, it, it's still there's still that noise that's going on you know, trying to estimate exactly, you know, what the, the full population is. Uh, I think there was, I think it was the LA Times was doing, you know, to avoid that, the LA Times had a, a static panel. Right. Um, and the problem was that in order to, you know, that Well, let one, me preface this, uh, because there's like one guy the LA Times Dorn's life poll. Yeah. yeah. Just to preface uh, before you, you start, I just want to establish for the listeners that if, if they don't know this poll, it's a poll that's, you know, heavily skewed to Trump just because they started the sample size but kept with the same people in that sample size. So I know where you're going with it. So go ahead and start. I just wanted to give some context. Oh, to the listeners, it was so. just that, you know, like, I mean, that depending on your sample size, if you're it's how you're also demographically waiting. So it makes sense to say, oh, we're, we're waiting based on things like age and race. Um but if you have like, oh, well, we have 3,000 people, but, you know, two are African-American and younger than 30, 
then then when you do all those weights, those people mean like are weighted way too high. So that was I think the LA Times thing, what it came out was that okay, well there's this one African American in the Midwest that that basically <laughs> added like five points to Trump. Right, because he's but, a Trump supporter. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, no, I, th- I think I think they're doing all a great job. I I, I 100% know that I could not do as good a job as, as some of them because there's there you know like what I do is still a, a tier below what I'd consider like you know true like data science, um, and you know like so so you know it, it did a pretty good job in pre-selection. I think the toughest thing is this one is so unique in that. Um, I mean, I think the the negative the negativity toward both candidates is 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 unprecedented. I mean, you compare like I mean, there was negativity in the Obama Romney, but it's like right. It it, it it's you know not as it just wasn't as as much as this. They you know they they both these people both the candidates um have like you know decades of baggage right um whether you know whether fair or not and to point out you know romney and ryan also had tons of baggage but the type of campaign they ran they weren't exactly fire starters they themselves as you know politicians so that may have a lot to do with it you know where where trump uh has his uh foundation in you know the 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 sizzle of it all which is definitely a you know like obviously, I, I preface this by saying it's not an echo chamber or not, but I, I would, I would mention you know with with the polls, I I find myself kind of frustrated sometimes about how, which is which is what makes me appreciate sites like this who who make an effort to kind of consolidate, get rid of the noise, like you said, and and give us something that we can follow without bias because the the polls themselves, when you cherry pick the cherry picking of polls, kind of annoys me. On top of that. Uh, representing the polls for something that they're not supposed to do. Like, I remember when uh, Hillary Clinton was coming out of the first debate and, you know, the Trump talking heads would hold on to the Dorn's Life poll as a lifeboat saying, oh, we're plus two ahead, we're plus three ahead. Whereas that poll specifically, I think, definitely is helpful. But but I think the methodology is there for you to see trends more than results, you know, just based on – you know how they created this process. They may think differently, but that's just how I perceive it. So, you know, having you know these sites kind of take over the public atmosphere seems like a good thing, just so people operate with more information than less, and hopefully one day figure out. You know, this was the whole thing, and we can talk about this, Rudy. Is is you know in the last show when we were complaining about millennials, the whole the main gist of the discussion is you know millennials' problem is they they miss they kind of combine laziness with false equivalency essentially whereas you know it's easy for them just to say well, both are bad so i'm not going to vote no i got i got no go yeah, ahead but i gotta yeah. be honest i mean mm-hmm. i i mean i don't i think millennials get a, a bad rap and they're 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 definitely not they're 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 by far down on my uh shit list for you know when i think about politics right now um i mean like i mean for the most part that yeah that i think um you know, millennials are quite progressive and, you know, they're that, you know, so I think, and, and at worst, I'd say maybe they're a bit idealistic, um, which is never a bad you, thing. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's something that goes away as you get older, it's harder to, right. to be idealistic and you become more kind of pragmatic and, but no, I, I think, I mean, let's put that Trump's going to do worse, a lot worse with millennials and others. I mean, yeah, I mean, just to be transparent, um, yeah, you know, I'm definitely voting for Hillary. Um, yeah, you know, not, not my ideal candidate in some ways, uh, too centrist to, uh, to, you know, uh, too much of a hawk on, on foreign policy. Um, the, the, the bullseye she has just feels like it'll be just more ridiculousness with Republican grandstanding, which just gets stuff, doesn't get stuff done. But at the end of the day, it's like, I th- I think Trump is just awful, um, and yeah, just, yeah. he's a but I, I, to me. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say I, I I try to think of myself as kind of someone that potentially could vote either way, but the reality is, you know, the Republican Party and as it's currently con- 
constituted just goes against everything for me. I don't, I just don't have, I mean, I have respect for, you know, I have friends who are Republican, but I just look at it like I'm, I'm extremely, um, liberal on social stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I just want people to be happy. I don't care. Um, and that I, yeah, I don't really, you know, and I'm fine with social, you know, I, I believe in a safety net, you know, whether there's things that you could do to improve it. Sure. But I, I'm, I'm far left on social, which obviously aligns with the Dems. Um, you know, I, on, I'd rather stay, be more left on, um, on geopolitical stuff. And it's kind of hard to do that right now. Because it's like, yeah, I feel like, you know, Bush, Obama, Clinton, still, they're all a little bit more to the right to me. Yeah. (laughs) Bush, extremely so, but. What's so um, interesting because maybe, I'm not saying Bush ruined it for them, but I feel like the Iraq war basically spent all the political capital for the next maybe two or three presidents. You know, like he just spent all that because none, nobody in America has any motivation you know like you have the republicans who are really hawkish on the whole you know aleppo syria russian thing saying we have to you know the whole red line thing revisited and i just i never understood why they're so eager and the american people just aren't into it they just don't care you know you have these singular narrative pieces coming out of aleppo where you're like wow i really want to help but at the end of the day there just isn't the you know, no one's really biting for it. No one's really like back when Kosovo was an issue, you know, uh, boy, we're going really far back, but yeah. you know, just, just to look at it, you know, just, just to zoom out, I, I think it's interesting because you mentioned the respect part there, a new Gallup poll came out today. I don't know if you saw this, but a Gallup poll came out today saying 60% of Hillary Clinton supporters do not respect Trump supporters. And, you know, putting aside the fact, whereas I think respect is sort of the wrong word, you know, for me, I don't respect respect is to be earned it's just but if if there's a guy next to me and i meet him randomly i'm gonna think i'm gonna be cordial you know i'm, I'm not just going up to saying going up to people and saying fuck you motherfucker you know i'm just not that's not who how yeah that's probably, each other, that, but. that's probably good not to go up to people and just you know at least i mean because you didn't really finish your your thing there you kind of ended at like mother and i think that would be kind of right. confusing it's like well that was self restraint so you know yeah, uh, so if you, like people would be like well, uh, does this guy he can't he doesn't finish his thoughts right. i'm not i'm not sure i but, was trying um, to think to myself and i wanted your take on this is i was thinking to myself um i feel like i'm sort of elitist cuz in my head i was trying to work it out i was like well if i'm in front of a trump supporter would i respect them and i'm thinking to myself well probably not and then i tried to figure out why are the reasons i wouldn't and it goes back to what you're saying about being socially liberal that means equal rights it's a big deal to me climate change which is scientifically proven these things are really you know what it shows to me is basically while this election has been kind of divided between educated whites and non-educated whites that's kind of the two biggest demographics that they talk about and i would consider myself an educated white male i have a college degree you know of course you do too as well so we kind of you know demographically we match with that and so but when they separate it between smart and dumb is basically what they're saying i don't necessarily agree with that because i think people who don't have the same opportunities that i had who maybe just have a high school degree they're not necessarily dumb but I think I would feel disrespect for people who aren't don't necessarily have the credentials that I do, but don't go the next step for critical thinking. Like they don't do research. They they just you know go off of face. Like they don't think about the next step. Like the wall. You know, like oh they want a big wall, but they don't really think beyond that. Like how do you pay for it? Who you know? It's yeah. just yeah, Mexico's gonna pay yeah. for it. Ah, come on. Well, you know? well, yeah, yeah. The reality is that I mean it. it I mean like Trump is you know. He's definitely not the, the the standard Republican candidate. Right. So I mean, I think I mean, I think um, you know, I mean, I think the only well, that's the worst person, part. He's the, like a blank slate. Like anybody well, can just fill no, in what but, they want, right? Well, well, the, I mean, the problem is the Republican. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's you know, I, I think it, it, it's it's been more or less um, you know for you know uh, an organization for rich people to get you know to get to minimize taxes um, has been like kind of its driving force and that, yeah, it, in order to, to kind of satisfy the base, it had a number of different ploys, whether it be social conservatism um, that some care about, like I, I, I guess maybe someone like a, a Mitt Romney cares about. I don't think John McCain cares about that at all. Um, 
you know, there's nothing, you know, but um, and and other Republicans. But I think that you and, you know, things like race baiting and stuff like that go back through Goldwater and Nixon and right. Reagan. Those gems, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but the thing is, you know, when I look at a candidate like Romney and Trump, you know, I or I'm sorry, Romney or McCain, um, I'll just forget. Let's just not talk about McCain's running mate for now. Um, I mean, I saw what I consider like, oh, okay for politicians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not not, you know, maybe the best people in the world, but, you know, they they, they seem like they seemed okay. I don't know. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, Trump just is, you know, I, I don't that I'd want to know why someone would support him and kind of be blind to some of the right. stuff. Exactly. And it typically there's a lot of fury toward like a Clinton or, you know, it, I mean, and, and that stuff with the false equivalency, I, I get, it's not millennials. It's really like, you know, I've got like, a, I've got like, you know, uh, someone in my extended family who's right. like, you know, you know, in his seventies and is completely a Fox news cuckold who like just yeah. is totally brainwashed by the stuff. And I don't really get it. I, like I said, Hillary, it's like, I mean, I don't think there's been anyone in politics who's gone through as much. There's been, a, if there, if she really, really did something wrong, it's like, I think they might've found it. She's had so much, yeah. Like, and the part that, drives me nuts and it's a little bit meandering but i I tweeted this like a couple weeks ago is that it's like the amount of things on benghazi in those emails compared to where were the where where's the fact-finding missions on the lies that got us into iraq right that so that was so much more that was the biggest and i wouldn't say it's a blunder it was a purposeful screw-up with based on completely ill thought out assumptions like we they would consider us liberators and we would get a big cut of the oil or and somehow it would make the middle east democratic <laughs> even okay. though even though it's you know like you know whether you call it cultural or religiously driven um complete you know, patriarchal societies that are completely not just patriarchal and that they hate women, but they're also set up in a way that basically hate the non-ruling class. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, the this is the, the easiest question to think is things like, well, why would someone be willing to, you know, die in battle for the, the promise of 72 virgins? Um, you know, when, you know, the only person that would think that is someone that has no hope that they'd ever find a real virgin, a real woman. That, and you have cases where you have men who are marrying, like, you know, these rich sheiks marrying like 200 women. Well, that takes a lot of women out of the equation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, and you basically take the, the hope from, you know, the typical male in their early 20s and say, oh, you're never getting any. You, you you get quite desperate. <laughs> you might yeah. take. So I feel like I, I'd, I'd look at it, you know, that, um, yeah, I, I think the, it's the part, I just can't, I just hate the Republican party. Like the going after and all the, like, like there was, there's never been a true autopsy. Like I, I think if a well, they've had autopsy, they just don't listen to it. You know? No, 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 the Republican Party. <laughs> I think, like, right. basically, Iraq War, like, I, I think it's like if you're getting so worried about, revved up about locking up Clinton, then what are you going to hang Cheney for treason? Yeah. I mean, I mean... Like, if, if it came, like, I think most people right now would say, admit, like, Republican or Democrats, like, yeah, they probably cherry picked a lot of intelligence, if not lied about intelligence, to get us into that war. There's documentation that of lies told you know saying things like definite when it was you know at best like you know hypothesized um so i just i just 
that my, my view is kind of done through, forgetting that uh, you know you have a social stuff, but then it's like okay, well, I have a part. You know, like the Republican Party is so partisan. It's yeah, it's I mean, sin. It's I mean, like and partisan in a way that's just counterproductive to what <laughs> to to you know like making things better and making things work. Um, I mean, right. Obama. I mean, the current government is the most obstructionist government in the history. Oh. So, in the history of America, this is the most obstructionist government, I would say. It's oh. weird that, right? And it's hard for me not to, you know, when I when I hear someone who supports Trump and try to talk to them, just like, how are you, you know, forget the thoughts on the Republican Party that I mentioned. Trump in itself is just to me like, just seems to be an, a, a repellent human being. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and he's not shy about it. I mean, like, the, the, I mean, not not in just one facet, like all it's facets. Like, like his I, complete caricature I, is just. I mean, there's. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll. I mean, I'll. I curse a lot. I. I'll set, do anything for a joke. Grail. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll probably even go. No, I don't know. If, between Gray and I, let's just say like, everyone think I'm the cleaner one. I. I think we're pretty even on how far we'd go for a joke. Um. But I'll be honest, if I've never, I would never call it, if I had a friend that ever said something like, grab girls by the pussy, it's like, I'm like, I've, I've <laughs> yeah, known people, me. I've known people who think that or, or say something like that. They're not my friend. I don't hang out with them. That's a bad person. Like, it's as simple as that. I mean, so he's so transparent on that. But all you have to hear is like the bankruptcies, how it basically, he basically, you know, basically paid 20 cents on the dollar for all these, you know, laborers working on the hotels, how the hotels themselves were like particularly the, the Atlantic City story to me was just like, I don't know why you'd need to know more than that. When you hear basically how like, you know, like no sane, per- no sane business person could think that those actually would have succeeded with like he had like junk bonds he had like 15% interest rates mm-hmm. like th- there was no way those were going to work he didn't end up bearing the consequences so he, i mean he used like bankruptcy uh and things like that in a way that benefited him but i mean i don't know i, I don't think I, i'd feel re- i don't know how i could how he could live with himself on that stuff. He, he just doesn't have those, the same empathy genes. Yeah. Um, and I, I was just going to say, it's, you know, with this, with this type of thing, it's just tough because, you know, like you were mentioning in past elections, it was kind of easy to see, like, let's say if McCain became president or, or Romney became president, I would survive. I'd be fine. You know, it's just like, okay, my side lost. I really don't like the fact that we're losing right women's rights is, you know, being curtailed and women's health and, you know, stuff that I really believe in that goes, you know, the bigger picture. But I could live through it. I feel like a Trump presidency is something that I would just be seething every day at only because everything he represents would not just eliminate what I think is the eight years of progress we were able to eke out under an Obama administration, but it would just be, I feel like America is supposed to be almost not to get meta, but it's supposed to be kind of the example for the world. And if we have a system that goes backwards in terms of energy, in terms of immigration, in terms of women's rights, you know, just the whole picture. If it, if we go backwards, I just feel like it's a big step back for the world almost. I mean, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be, yeah. have hyperbole no, into this, I, I, of, you know? I, I, I hear. I I really don't think. I mean, yeah. I, I suck, get. You know, because the guy. I just. I don't. There's just. <laughs> there's not even like. I mean, at least like Paul Ryan, who yeah, I think's a fraud, but he tries to to spin things into something positive, and I I I mean I I definitely don't. I don't. I think Paul Ryan in his heart thinks he's right. Yeah, the I, I mean, man like, thing just t- turns me off. You know? Oh, oh, complete. Like, yeah, I mean, like, but yeah, I mean, I have, I know people that are like that and basically think like, yep, yeah, I'm trying to help people help themselves and all this stuff. I mean, yeah, but that's actually I, a belief system at the very least. Yeah, you know, right. No, and I, Trump and, doesn't and, even have. And and I think Romney believes that you know, Joseph Smith and all the the Mormon stuff. Um, and I apologize. Yeah. I'm actually eating a Twix bar. I didn't even realize I put my. It's just you know, it's Halloween. 
You got no. kids. You know what's up. Candy yeah, must be everywhere no. in your house. Yeah, they're they're still young, so. Okay. Um, but 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 they only want the 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 four year old doesn't um doesn't like chocolate for whatever reason. So you know, dad's dad's been falling on that sword. Um, but that might yeah, change, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd think. I mean, I, I know I, I, no one wants their kid not to like chocolate. It's right. like, but, um, but you know, you know. Okay, so I but, feel like I didn't mean to cut you off, but I feel like we should at least try to talk about your tools before we get off the air. This is actually kind of where I wanted to go politics-wise just because, you know, football, we're not really – I get my other people to talk about football. I want to talk about other stuff with you, and we obviously did. Those are those are some of the things that interest me. I really enjoy just, you know, going back to the point just to reiterate to – so it wasn't all anecdotal. It was some some analyzation. We, you know, uh, check out 538.com. I would recommend everyone to do it just because it's an interesting kind of laboratory to to watch. Um, going to the tools, though, you know, we kind of touched on um, this earlier. I, I did want to ask you um, sort of your process for, for your tools. Um, now, obviously, they're projections, which equate into rankings. You know, I call them projections just because they offer more than – what my rankings do they actually give people an idea of what they're getting when they buy uh it gives them an idea of context like what their team might do uh, on the sunday and i just wanted to know kind of i only asked this because i think a week ago i kind of laid out my process for how i rank my players which is which is highly unscientific by the way i kind of poked myself a bit at my process but i kind of do it and the only word I can come up to describe it was I did a get I do a ghetto style you know I just kind of click and kind of go by feelings. Obviously I don't not look at stats. I I definitely look at stats. I look at projections. I think I I do sort of dabble into advanced um, metrics for football, but I still think it's kind of a it's kind of unscientific at the moment just because of the sample size issues that I'm sure you know will change over time. But it's something that I look at, but I don't entirely rely upon. I and I feel like over the years I've kind of found my own way of looking at football not from a professional scouting standpoint because i honestly i don't know how they do it not from a coaching standpoint i never coach football i played flag football when i was younger so i don't know much about you know the the insides and outs of the game but when i watch it i see what i use as my own measuring stick and I combine that with everything else so anyhow um what's your process you know with your system and, and kind of what, what's your day like when you're setting it up for us yeah, no, I, I mean, my goal with the, the football system is that, you know, I, I'd see it as you want to use, you know, test all, test all your theories, um, and you know, the fact that I have a lot of back data, and now have, and you know, so, yeah, you know, so just to give some background, I didn't, I was a, I'm a huge football fan in real life, pro and college. I'm in, I live in Austin, so big Longhorn fan. Um, and but is, grew up... is that a cowboy fan though? Is that do the cowboys reach you that far away? No, like, well, I grew, I, but I grew, I grew up in New Jersey, so I'm a New York Giant fan. Oh, okay. I that, mean, like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I root for Rutgers, but I mean, what's the point? That's like, right, right. fair enough. It's like rooting for the team the Globetrotters play against. But you're still um, in the NFC East, so that's good. You get to watch Giants a couple times. Yeah, I still haven't made it out to the Jerry, Jerry World. Um, that seems a lot more work, work than it's worth, to be honest. No, well, especially I, mean, I live like three. <laughs> I live like four miles from University of Texas Stadium, so I've gotten to, yeah, I got like three going to three games this year. Um, so yeah, and so I, I prefer that and watch football on TV. I mean, I so I've been following a lot, but I I've haven't I wasn't involved with fantasy until this year in building the projection system, and the you know to so you know like football is like just such a it was a completely different challenge to baseball and i think it's you know i you know like it was it's really taking a step back and trying to understand you know what's the stuff that you can predict what um you know how much can you predict from history how much can you predict from you know just news and you know other resources um so you know so football ended up being it was a pretty large undertaking but I, I mean i'm seeing a lot this year is still being kind of this thirst to improve that the, the knowledge in the process and test different things um so you know so just to give it to start this week um one thing i noticed late you know so the reality is that like on a tuesday or you're 
you know, Tuesday, you're kind of hunger, hungry to kind of play with the code. Um, but to, to take a step back on like Friday, I was looking at my projections and I, I grabbed some other projections to test against to look for cases where generally I've got the guys roll wrong. Um, so if I've, you know, if I'm, if I've got, if I'm looking at our sources and I had, you know, um, you know, Jordan Howard, um, being the bell cow, which he ended up being, Mm -hmm. but, but I'm finding other sources saying, you know, they might say, Oh, well, Langford is back and he'll get some carries. And then, you know, Kadeem Carey is, has been, uh, doing well. And so it'll trigger, it'll tell, instead of looking at everything, I'll let the system kind of do what it's doing. And then I'll look at the outliers and look at it and kind of make my own call. Like, you know, so that call was, I thought Kadeem Carey would have gotten a lot more touches and that there was no reason why Jeremy Langford was suddenly going to get, get his job back. Right. Um, so I was right on Langford, did not see Howard coming, but I think, I don't. I, I've. I haven't checked. Um, I think we'll see with the results maybe tomorrow or something. Yeah. You know, if I had how, mm-hmm. but I think I had Howard like 25th. So I can't. That didn't doesn't seem very good. But it. But I don't know where anyone else would have had him. Um, Especially but against the uh, Minnesota defense, which I'm sure. Yeah, that, pretty I high mean, for you. Yeah. So, so it didn't. Yeah, it didn't make. Um, didn't seem like a smart play. But um, oh, so so like on a, a Friday, you know, where I'm doing those checks. This one I noticed that last Friday was like, wow, Des Bryant's really low. And I dug into it and it's like, oh, this is because he hasn't played in four games. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's almost as if like the way this thing is like, okay, well, you know, trying to figure out he's a starter. So he's got like he's got a high floor versus like a, a scrub wide receiver and versus like a, a backup wide receiver in terms of the number of snaps I'll give him and how often he'll get targeted. Um, and you know, like, cause those are the things that are, aren't as skill dependent, you know, that a lot of targeting, how many targets you get and how many snaps you get is driven by your role. It's how many yards per catch you get and how many you'll catch, which tends to be more skill that, and some, a skill you're going to go further back. So, you know, with Des Bryant, it was, it was a little odd. Um, but it was, Basically, he hadn't played in four games. It kind of threw the system off and basically just gave him the floor of a starting wide receiver, not, you know, what he is, which would be, you would think, a top, you know, 15 wide receiver. Right. Um, yeah. So so on Friday, it was like, ah, I just got to hack it and just put in, a, you know, a number that sounds right for how often he'll get targeted. But, you know, today, you know, first thing is like, okay, well – just build something in the code that says, well, if he hasn't played in the last four games, you know, look at the last 16. <laughs> just, you know, and, and, and use that targeting number. I think, um, I think it was him and Tyler Eifert, I noticed, you know, both were, were lower than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. So on a Friday, it's checking and, you know, making the adjustments. Let me but ask the, you really quick on, on that, you know, when, when it's looking at Des Bryant's last 16 games, does it take any anything into account with the fact that his quarterback has changed during that time? Yeah. I mean that, um, that gets into a little bit into like maybe like a completion percentage mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I've tested that. I forget how much it's, it's not a major component though. Okay. The court, you'd, you'd think the court, the, the quarterback, the biggest factor for the quarterback is how much the team's going to pass and run. You know how they do their run pass Which splits. Which generally so. doesn't change unless it's well. I guess it might change with Dak just because he has a little more speed. Uh, he's he can scramble a bit, but yeah, I, I see your point definitely. No, oh well, it's, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, you're right. Yeah, Dallas had, the way they're constituted, even with even when Roma was there, they they really turned to a, a heavy run team, um, and I think that's a little bit in Jason Garrett's DNA, um, yeah. but. Yeah, but he... compare, but I mean, the best example for that would be like, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, with or without Roethlisberger is going to be a massive change. Right. Um, but that's something that, you know, like because you'd say like the the drop from Romo to Prescott, um, I mean, he's doing well now. But, you know, let's just say what we thought week one and Roethlisberger and whatever Landry Jones are like both equal 
but then we could if you basically look at it and say well no i don't think dallas dallas will still be heavy run oh pittsburgh it's going to change dramatically and then who knows when you know new england when they had you know new england had you know it definitely becomes more pass heavy with brady um those things become more you know it's hard to program it but it's more like kind of flags to understand um so with with someone like bryant yeah it might affect the total amount of passes thrown by the team um but um you know that's a that's about it and then um you know, sometimes the quality of the quarterback changes a little bit on the target distribution. I think, uh, yeah, but yeah, so I, whatever factors are in there, I kind of tested using, you know, a couple years worth of data. Um, and now it's just a matter of, you know, okay, well now I've put in that little fix. So next week, you know, the, the next hypothetical, um, Des Bryant case, it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't show up again like if anything maybe it'll show up that it's like you know oh this guy's back um let's say like a jordy nelson or something it's like oh they're gonna work him in so i i I don't want to use the same rate he was used at in the past um so there's there's all those kind of things it's also factoring in you know uh the injuries so if you know the injury status of a guy's questionable you know, it's it's going to take a little bit off his playing time. And if he's doubtful and stuff like that, it really takes a huge chunk out. Right. Um, I did have a fantastic question, but before I get I did want to mention our last sponsor, which is SeatGeek.com. Uh, tickets for all your events, $20 off your first purchase by using Raz NFL. That's R-A-Z-Z NFL. Um, I like how I pigeonholed that in there. Uh, it'll come off totally natural, I swear. Um, the thing about projection systems is uh, i think it's you know i think i've told you this i don't know if it was privately i think it was privately but that i think projection systems are essentially the future of all fantasy sports uh, you know you already see their effect now um and and the process that allows players to get any edge they can you know a lot of them um are going to become more and more prevalent and i wanted to ask you more specifically you know in, in fantasy football the hardest thing for me to do as a writer is to kind of find true not sleepers i would say but guys who just come out of nowhere whether or not they have a past history of success just surprise players on a week-to-week basis um you know we try to do that with past info and but a lot of it can be clouded with hype and i I get the feeling that a lot of the i don't know how you call it but it's more of a reactionary type of thing that i do you know i kind of say like wow this guy had a great game here's what happened here's how it happened and here's why maybe you should believe or not believe. But I, I'm never rarely there to say, you need to pick up this guy now. I mean, I am. I'll, I'll hit a lot. I'll miss a lot. You know, I think Gray will tell you the same thing when he gets that kind of uh, guttural <laughs> feeling about something. You know, he'll really advocate for it, and, and so will I. But where is it in your projection system do you think that we can start finding these hidden gems on a week-to-week basis? Like, how do we find guys that could maybe hit the ceiling uh, on that day, like maybe pick up uh, a Jehajehi, who's you know the biggest name right now, just because he turned into the next Devonte Freeman. It looks like so. I I don't. Is there something in your system that will will show us that? Or well, no. I mean, it's, it's a great point, and yeah. I mean, I think yeah. One of the things that was so surprising with football, um, because it wasn't the case with baseball, is that my projections um, seem to be more. Um, contrarian than they were in baseball um not that the, you know like that i think in general with baseball the thing is you've got long track records even a, a rookie has right. minor league Sample data sizes are just huge compared um, to football yeah and and then there's and then there's a few like real key things like i mean like things like the quality of the pitcher they're facing or or um you know whether they're righty or lefty in their home stadium. But, you know, I think with football, you know, you do have the smaller sample, but I think the key, that with baseball, one of the variables is role. You know, um, is this guy going to get the playing time and where in the lineup is he going to be? 
or if it's a pitcher, you know, are they going to be a ninth inning guy? Are they going to be in the starting rotation? That kind of thing. Um, so baseball, that's definitely a factor. But with 162 games and injuries and stuff like that, you know, it's something you've got to constantly be on top of. Um, and, you know, from the, you know, for baseball projections, it's just, okay, well, there's a huge, you know, like you could look at guys and say, well, this guy only, I only think he'll play 30% of the time, but his stats look really good. So if he got, became a full-time player, wow, this guy would steal a lot or, you know, has a power source. I mean, I think it's similar with football. Like I look at, you know, like you, you, you know, running back is so driven by health role. Um, You know, I mean, I think, and even Honestly, to a large extent, I, the other the other team's defense and, too. Yeah, I mean, like I I'm just not a huge bot. Yeah, you know, like the thing is, I, I don't really buy the vast vast majority of scouting reports. When I say scouting reports, it's like basically some blogger with their opinion. Right. It's like um, the key is just you know does is this guy going to get a chance? Um, and then you kind of see where it goes. So I think with Miami, the best case you could have said on that is that Foster looks like he's going to, he'll, he'll be an injury mess and that there's going to be a lot of pressure on Gase to, to kind of nominate us a lead guy. Um, and yeah, I mean, from the get go, it seemed like, uh, Jay, was, uh, the, had, was going to be that guy. Um, I don't think. Any, I don't think there's anything in his background that screams he's going to run for 200 yards two, two weeks in a row. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I think that you know, I think that and that's the challenge. Like trying to pick that out is such guesswork. And you know, when you have you know you're playing in a season long league and you've got a couple of slots, you know, you, you take your shots on something like that. It's really some educated guesses. Um, because yeah, there's I mean. All I'd have, I have access to things like even, you know, what what was his 40 time at the combine? And I, mean, I don't even look at college football stats. Right. <laughs> um, it's a whole different world, I think. Uh, and yeah. And I mean, like, so it's, um, you know, I think so I think with running backs, I mean, it's constantly just assessing role um, and, you know, the type of offense. Are they going to run a lot? You know, um, if the guy is shown. Yeah, you know, and you could see it in the stats, and it'll come up in my projections if the guy's getting, you know, a, a kind of a guy who's going to get targeted a lot. So, I mean, one guy that, you know, definitely wrote, was quite high in the running back rankings for a while there was Theo Riddick, mm-hmm. and I think it was, you know, like, and I think it snuck up on the average person because, um, you know, just be, you know because uh, he didn't get 25 rushes. He was kind of more of a well, he's, we're going to pass it to him, you know, five or 10 times a game and run him 12 to 15. Right. He's but like the utility guy, like Terrell Pryor or something. But then you start, yeah, but then then you calculate all those yards and the potential for touchdowns. You're like, wait, this guy's a top 10 back or top mm-hmm. 15 back in, you know, definitely the right matchup. And I think, I think there's that, you know, so I think the systems help on, when it's picking that kind of stuff up and saying, yeah, I know you've got a bias here. This guy's worth picking up. I mean, Jordan Howard to me was quite obvious because they had nothing else. He, you know, like he might've right. been a bomb, but Langford was out. Kerry was out. Like Howard was it. They had like, I don't even, I'm trying to think they, if they had a, they almost had like no running back depth. I forget if they had, they had a guy that, was going maybe in and off the practice squad. Mm-hmm. But Kerry was like a late scratch, like two weeks in a row. Like, so it's, I think you just, of running backs, you're making your bet on opportunity. Um, and, you know, so I, I imagine like a Theo Riddick, you're, yeah, that, that's a, uh, I mean, even that would have been a tough preseason call because Abdullah looked like he, he might be more of a hog. Um, on the wide receiver front, though, I mean, I do think the wide receiver front's probably the easiest to find in-season talent, uh, depending on league depth, just because, you know, know, like, there's a lot of learning and targets. I mean, one of the things I incorporate in the player pages is, you know, percentage of team targets. And and, and 
so I use that constantly in the projections and, and trying to say like, okay, is, you know, like how, how much is the team going to him? How much are they going to him in the last couple of games? Is there a kind of a, you know, um, you know, particularly with quarterbacks tend to have patterns where they have favorite receivers. I think, I think my system was, did, wasn't as, uh, was the most bearish on Des Bryant in the first initial weeks, basically because it was just looking and saying he's being thrown to five to 10% of the time. <laughs> I don't know where you think it's suddenly going to turn to 30, 25%, you know, like, like 30% would be like the Julio Jones category, like right. the, an Antonio Jones, Antonio Brown. Um, but there was a couple games where Bryant was like nothing. Um, and then I take that and I combine it with the fact that as a new quarterback and, you know, they probably want to get the ball out quick. You know, they're going to throw a little, you know, something like Cole Beasley will do better. Um, you know, is better suited for that type of role. Um, so I think with, yeah, I think this, the system will kind of just pop certain guys much higher. Um, yeah, I think the last couple of weeks, um, right on, uh, I can't remember the last name, on Tennessee has is definitely has been like a top 25 guy on the projections. Kendall Wright? Or... Yeah. Okay, yeah, Kendall yeah. Wright. Yeah, he was uh, hyped a lot last season. He just, he kind of underperformed and then just sort of got forgotten. And that's, yeah, I mean, like the thing is, it's a, I, yeah. I'm, and he's shown uh, back I, up the last two weeks that I guess your system has shown it. He's, well, he's Tennessee, been effective. Yeah. yeah, I think they've had, I mean, they, they just don't have a ton of guys to target. I think, yeah, so, and yeah, I mean, that's, there's a week or two. That's sort of a Titan thing, though, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, but but the thing is, yeah, but, you know, I, I said, yeah, that you, you just find things like that or, you know, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I've seen a number of receivers, like, you know, like each week there's uh, there's a couple that, you know, I've got real high and you know, some have failed. Like, I, I mean, some of them are kind of obvious in retrospect, like, well, yeah, you don't want any guy on San Francisco right now. Even if, you know, Jeremy Curley was getting targeted a bunch in the beginning, it's like, who knows with Kaepernick? That changes right. everything. Um, and I'm not really sure what's going on in Washington right now because um, I thought that the Jordan Reed absence would have would have let um, Garcon do a lot better. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Crowder was the the recipient. So, I mean, sometimes you're making educated guesses like that. Right. Um, well, the thing is, the... I think we had a little kind of anecdotal conversation about this where I, we were discussing it, I think on, on, uh, over email or whatever. And I, I was talking to you about how, you know, Kirk Cousins is interesting and because he's kind of your, he, he's your really basic vanilla quarterback in that he's not really that good, but he's an assistant that fits him well, but you can tell the way he plays because he never kind of, a lot of the times when he's pressured, he doesn't go through his progressions like a normal person would. He would just go with whoever he's comfortable with and whoever is on his right side, basically his throwing angle. So it usually is Crowder who's over there. I mean, technically, it's usually Deshaun Jackson. But um, for whatever reason, it was Crowder in that position. Maybe that was a game. I don't know. It's just I think it's funny with him because he's so volatile if you look at it at a micro sense because he'll have great games and he'll have really bad games. And it's just you never wonder where he is. Um, that's probably more for me cause he's in my local yeah. market cause I, I live in DC. So yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, so yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, concept that that type of scouting is, is, is likely best. I think where the project, where I'm building the system is as much as possible kind of met, you know, coming at it just that different angle and saying like, okay, this is. But I'm sure that would show up in the stats, but just in a different way, right? Oh, oh no. What, well, I mean, the tar- I mean, like I said, the, yeah. It's I think to me, it's all about target distribution on wide re- on you know wide receivers and tight ends, mm-hmm. um, and you know sometimes I'm I'm looking at the anomalous result versus you know other experts, and then trying to back out and see is there something you know off on here. So I think. Yeah, last week it was like, whoa, why do I have Terrence Williams so high? Oh, okay, because I have Bryant too low, <laughs> and that and that that helped balance, uh, bring balance the two out. But I mean, I do I do think it's like, you know, with wide receivers that there is that up op- and tight ends. There's that opportunity of just saying, what's the right system? What's the yeah you know, like, are there key injuries to certain positions that are going to lead this guy to to have, you know, some opportunities. 
or was there, you know, like a clue like, okay, well, I think it was Kendall Wright had like, he had like a crazy week where he had like 35% of the targets, right. you know, like a super elite level. Now, the thing is like, you're never, you know, like you, he'll never, you might never get that again ever. Um, you know, because very few do like when I, I looked for 30% targets and it's like, all, all like 90% of the games are from elite wide receivers. Yeah. Um, but that's, but it's like, okay, well, if he gets 20%, I mean that, yeah, I mean like that could be a game like what we saw last. I mean, like I think he only got four receptions this past week, but it was like 80 yards and a touchdown. It ended up being a pretty solid game. And I guess um, that's what the toughest part is, right? Is just detecting those trends because if you're looking for a trend by that time, like half the season's over. You're like, okay. Oh, well, that, well, I mean, the reality is with targets, you know, that's it. Like, I mean, I'm, it's 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 a very short term. It's not looking like at a year's worth of data, like because it's not about skill. Like it is at a very small amount, but right. at the end of the day, like the skills could evaporate so quickly because of injuries, because of scheme changes, all that stuff. It's like if you know, like it's you know, if Julio Jones gets like you know that that game where the running backs got all the ball got all the catches mm-hmm. and I think there's like two of them like that but there's definitely one in mind where he just it was it was like people were like what the hell happened how could he only have a couple catches it's like that that definitely takes some luster off him you know if there's two like that in a row <laughs> it definitely makes you think yeah I mean but yeah that so yeah I think my system got cocky and then he had that 250 yard game or whatever he did and now it's so now i think this the system and everyone is like everyone else just like julio jones is great i think they'll throw him to him a lot (laughs) where where it's so different versus like an aj green where it's like no i've got a lot of confidence aj green's gonna do quite you know he might not get 200 yards (laughs) but aj green's gonna get his Right. And, you know, I was going to mention a lot of this is is a little bit harder just because, um, you know, we do this for, um, you know, the of course, objective, you know, we, of course, do this for the readers. But we also do this to, you know, on a scale not imposed by us. We we only join it just because everyone's a part of it, which I'm talking about the accuracy rankings. And, you know, you and I have had discussions about this and, you know, we're running out of time, but I did want to mention that, you know, in terms of accuracy, which your system has had incredible results with and, you know, but again, sometimes I feel like, and I I want you to comment on this if you can for a little bit, it's like, sometimes I feel like maybe we shouldn't, like, this is kind of one of the results systems that are out there, but sometimes I feel like maybe how much I mean, no question, it helps the reader because they, they know exactly what we mean when we make the rankings. They know who to start. They, they can see a player's value in context and everything. But sometimes I wonder if we do it toward uh, a system that's grading it, are, are we kind of – is it sort of the issue with education that you're teaching to a test almost, if that makes uh, sense? Well, I mean, I think every grading system has you – know, it has, you have to set objectives, yeah. And what, what you're aiming for. So, I mean, for what for what fantasy pros would do is completely irrelevant for someone who plays DFS. Right. The DFS is would really be like how good it were, how good at you were finding like just a, nailing a couple players that maybe were off the beaten track, and also nailing the you know the the thirty point guy like you know that making sure that if you said Julio Jones he went off that week. Right. But then finding, I mean, you know, finding the, uh, you know, the Jordan Howard. I mean, kind of crazy, but this week, because I don't know how anyone could have guessed that one. But um, so I think each system's a little different. I think, um, you know, so I'm not too worried about teaching as I do think at a certain point cream rises. Um, you know, so I, I think the, the key on mine is just, you know, and I, is that yeah? You know, thinking it, it, it'll cons- you know ideally get a little bit, keep getting a little better over time, keep getting a little smarter because I'm getting a little smarter, um, and just trying to you know incorporate you know all the information coming in, um, you know so 
Yeah, and I, th- I think, um, and I, I think, yeah, some of the areas where that helps. I mean, I think what we found is that, you know, so far you're you're well ahead of me. I think on the on the net, um, but it's been surprising and kind of interesting to see how the two complement each other, because mm-hmm. um, you know where it's and it seems to be is like well one, you know, I think defense. Like if you play in IDP leagues, I think like a system I have is better. Yeah, you know, has a nice advantage over someone who's trying to like do it on gut because I don't think right. defense can really be done on gut um, as well. I think, yeah, like, and that's why maybe some sites have like people who just focus on IDP. Um, but I, but I think because I, I can't, you know, we lost our IDP writer and I, I can't take yeah. over for him because it's, it's a dynamic that I don't understand too well. So, cause then you have to do league formats and, and whatnot. Yeah. So it took, it took a couple of weeks, but yeah, I think, I think I'm like I've been like top th- I want to say like top three like two of the last three weeks three of the last four it seems like I've got momentum on the IDP and then um, what was I say like I think uh, oh the other is just um, yeah it was interesting to see like I mean I, out of like 140 experts mine's almost the least or the furthest away from consensus and yeah I think as a season long player you know it's like there's you're good you want to find a system that you know if you have success in finding a couple of the outliers the guy you know finding the guys you know the week before um yeah that yeah that, that's helpful um so it's like yeah creating a system that um you know whether it's by the expert kind of moving stuff around or just one that you know, let's just say aggregates different sources in a way. And someone says, oh, I came out with this great way that uses 30% this guy, 20% this guy. I think all the, those things regress to the mean and you're not going to find, you know, like it could be that I look, my thing looks like an idiot because it said Pierre Garçon was going to be like the 11th receiver. I had him one ahead of Odell Beckham. <laughs> uh, the Sunday when they, when uh, the, the Giants were playing in my uh, against yeah. Miami in London, but that was before the late. Like I had Odell Beckham like the lowest of everyone at like twelve, and then the news came out that he was the hip pointer was really hurting, and then some people used that news to go below me. Um, but I actually had Garcon ahead of Beckham. Um, it didn't didn't quite pan out. Didn't help my DFS day. But the thing is, like, I, you know, the system actually has some. And there was complete logic behind the Garcon. It just ended yeah. up being Crowder went seven for one Oh five with a touchdown. Right. And so it's like, okay. You know, like I, so I think there's a lot of promise, I think on those things to just re- take, uh, take someone that's completely uh, based on some skill and based on some role and the rest of their team, finding that outlier. And then certain, th- I think wide receiver and defense are the ones that a system like this helps the most on running back is just almost all if you can guess the carries <laughs> if whoever is like amazing at guessing carries is pretty that's like half of rushing right there or 70 per 80 percent of it yeah and it's such a huge part of the, of the fancy game itself rudy i could I could talk to you about this forever. I could talk to you about politics forever. It's such a wonderful... This is why I take advantage of having you on here because I, I can talk politics with zero discord. Uh, I'm sorry, d- zero discourse and uh, enjoy that uh, in-depth conversation. And on top of that with the tools, I would uh, like to... Um, not to put you on the spot, but we will try to have you back um, at the end of the year because I kind of like to go over a review uh, of both our rankings and kind of you know inform um, our readers and listeners sort of you know, how our methodologies, how the process turned out, what we can do better, kind of, you know, uh, doing something the Republicans should have done and figuring out what's wrong with their uh, thingamajigs. But, Rudy, um, where can people follow you on Twitter? At Rudy Gamble. All right, that's easy enough. Um, and the tool, of- and, and if you go to ra- football.raswell.com, you could find the tools under tools uh, in the top menu. Um, and, Right now, you know, we, we've we finally got Google Philly Index. If you want to see some of the projections on a given player, just type their name in Rasball, and you, the player pages you should be able to find pretty easily. But we also link um, when we mention a player on our site, you could link and see um, their player pages and see things like what I 
you know, some of the stats I think that are lacking on the larger site player pages, like percent of team rushes, percent of team targets, percent of team red zone targets. Um, I think look at things um, in a way that kind of lead, you know, might help identify certain breakout players or certain players that um, are far from the perception. Yeah, and um, I always tell people if if you want to help support Razzball, the brand, if you want to help support us, all you have to do is get a subscription. It gives you great content. It gives you these wonderful tools, and it allows the the reader or the consumer, uh, I'll say, a consumer of our site to enjoy it ad free. So that's that's the end of our show, Rudy. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll hopefully see everyone next week. Take care until then.